This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial. Your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome to Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Wednesday, February the 6th. I'm your host, D.A. And rare is it a day in February where baseball takes center stage, especially when the two biggest stars in baseball still haven't signed yet in Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. But rules changes always get everybody excited. And the MLB front office, led by Commissioner Rob Manfred, has proposed two very intriguing rules changes. Number one, the universal designated hitter for both the American League and the National League, and a minimum of three batters faced by every reliever. This caught the attention of the Fan Morning Show, 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh with Colin Dunlap and Chris Mack. Let's listen in. MLB, MLBPA discussing some potential rule changes. One is a three-batter minimum for all pitchers, and that's certainly the biggest change that's yeah, been proposed by the league. Yeah, this is a great discussion. I, I'm all in on this discussion. I can't wait for this. So there's there's like five bullet points. Three-batter minimum for pitchers. That's yes, one. That's the big one, I think. Well, uh, universal designated hitter. That's I think, been talked about. It's coming in. Right. That's going to happen, I think, in the next few years, whether you like it or not. Also, uh, a single trade deadline before the All-Star break. Let's take these piece by piece. The three-batter yes. minimum for pitchers. Um, on the surface, I like it. It'll speed up the game some. There are a couple quirks in it. One, if a guy is hurt. Two, if he is inserted and there's only one batter left in the inning and he gets him out. Right. They're surely not going to make him no. do an up-down, right? The, the, not- those would be the uh, the exceptions to that rule. I'd be like, Ray, go out there and make sure that his arm is really hurt. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know well, I, I was thinking about that. Will there be some gamesmanship with – what jumps out at me about this, these proposals with MLB and MLBPA most is – It'll finally shut up all those band of DH people. You know, and not, I'm not talking about the guys on TV or on the radio. I'm talking about all their disciples, all the people that pray at the altar of ban the DH, ban the DH. Yeah, because people want to watch Yvonne Nova hit, right? Yeah, because people want to go up there and people want to have second and third with two outs or, you know, and you're right. thinking, okay, we got something here. Okay, we got, we got, just, just try to fight. There's a, a real chance with a real player. Yes, an actual hitter. A real player. And there's no way they're going to walk this guy and flip the order to the top. They're going to throw strikes and, to the pitcher. Strike one, strike two. And if you're talking night, about a proposal, a proposal to make relievers pitch to a certain number of hitters, a uh-huh. whole lot easier to manage your bullpen. When you're not pinch hitting for that ninth spot every single time and it comes up, too. You know what drives me nuts as much as a guy like Nova that just has no interest in getting a hit is is a pitcher that hits like a ground ball into the hole, maybe a soft grounder up through the middle, and then he's told not to run hard. You know, in other words, a ball that you could possibly he's not beat to out. Hit or run, Jim. Right. And I know that's the thing. So so then why the money so then so why big. have him do it? Exactly. There's you're right about it. If they can't carry out the whole process, why, why are they even involved it? in it yeah, at all? Exactly. That's it's a great point. Like it, it, we saw guys that from Garrett Cole at first base. 
Garrett Cole was told, don't go hard at it, after he went hard at it originally, right. early in his career. If they do this, if they pull off the D, the universal DH for 2019, and, and it certainly seems like it's much closer to happening than not happening. Maybe 2020. I don't know may, if they'll do it for well, now. Well, it sounds like they may phase it in well, they, to they 2019. Can't just, well, they can't, they can't just put it in right now because National League teams need to draft and well, develop and that's, for it. That's the point I was going to bring up is if you're a National League team, you're not prepared to have that ninth, that, that, that ninth hitter in the lineup every single day right now. So they have talked about phasing it in where any interleague game this year regardless of where it is, would have a DH. And then 2020 going full-time. Give me that at PNC Park. Yeah. Whenever that yearly visit from the Tigers for like two yeah. days. How about seventh? Designated yeah. hitter, Lonnie Chisenhall. Give me that. <laughs> okay. I like it. Or Josh Bell gets a day Yes. Off. Yes. Get Cervelli out from behind the plate at first base, maybe. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's talk about Bear some- the DH. Bear <laughs> the DH. Okay, you listen, reality's coming on all you folks. There's a big black cloud over your head, and it's the DH raining bombs on you. Yvonne Nova's yes. sitting in a corner, quietly crying because he'll never get to hit ever again. The universal DH is something that is, I think, mandatory right now in modern baseball. But also, the three batter minimum on relievers stems the tide of a never-ending march of one-out relievers or one-at-bat relievers looking for a specific matchup and really forces the manager to make some big-picture decisions. And it forces action. See, as you see with these two proposals, the commissioner and the league knows there's not enough action, there's too many stoppages, it's grinded to a halt. And so forcing bullpen arms to face multiple batters allowing your pitcher to never have to sacrifice bunt anymore, never go up there like a sacrificial lamb, not even supposed to be on the base path. None of this stuff is good for baseball action. And we are an action-driven community and an action-driven sports society. So make the change. I love this idea. And specifically, bullpen relievers that need to face more than just one batter is absolutely a change in the positive direction. I wish this was in play immediately for 2019. My guess is it's going to have to wait a little bit to finally get green lit. But this is the right idea by baseball. They know what they're up against in today's society. The next biggest story comes from the NBA's offseason, where the Los Angeles Clippers trade Tobias Harris to the 76ers. The Sixers give up two first-round draft picks, but now they have a core four of Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and Jimmy Butler. Does this make them the favorites in the Eastern Conference? Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie on WIP in Philly. This is the end of the process, yeah, right? It, it really is. Th- is yeah. So this is what we've waited for so long to, you know, finalize the, the finishing touches on the process. Are Tobias Harris? Like, <laughs> r- what? And, and Boban? Yeah. Like, no, okay, so it's really just Tobias Harris. So now we have a big four here in Philadelphia that I'm really only convinced of one. Is that oh, Joel? Obviously. Joel. Yeah, right. You know, p- close to convinced on, on Ben, you right. know, if he continues to 
work on Got the things he needs to work heck on. Of a player. Yeah, right. Jimmy Butler, I, I think we're all aware that they're not even sold on Jimmy Butler. And, you know, Tobias Harris, while a, a an outstanding player, you know, he's playing in a, you know, a loaded Western conference yep. where he can't even be an all-star. Yep. But, he, but, so, he's had, but he's had a good year. Yeah. And he's had a solid career. Okay, he's had a, he's had yeah. A career. Solid, yeah. right? Solid. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Is solid, solid what we've been waiting for? No, the process yeah. was supposed to net us NBA championships, plural. Well, Is this what nets you an NBA championship? Listen, it's it's an interesting way you phrase that there. 888-729-9494. I'll say this. I like the trade. I do. I mean, he's a good you player. You like it, but no, how no. can anyone love it? Well, listen. I'm supposed to love it. <laughs> the process, we waited forever yeah. for this. Yeah, that's true. And, and okay, and by the way, we're, we're basically, right now, the way we're set up, we're punting on free agency. You know, the, the free agency where we know Kevin Durant's out there. Yeah, that works. Kawhi me. Leonard yeah. is out there. Clay yeah. Thompson is out there. Kemba Walker is out there. Porzingis is out there. Boogie Cousins is out there, yet this is where we're putting our chips? I, I had I had that thought. I, I spin around to this, Sean. I like it because I guess it's the best they can do. I hear you on the disappointment. You go back five years. You know, one thing that this, to me, does show is that they weren't getting or have, haven't gotten and likely were not going to get a major free agent walking in the door. And when you let list those five or six players – I mean, they did make a major trade for Jimmy Butler, although he does seem to be a declining player. Good, but not great where he was three years ago. All right, this guy, good player, no doubt. Harris, good player. There's no question yeah, about really it. Yeah, really good player. He's probably a top 30 or so player, 35 player in the NBA, and that's a, that's a really nice addition. Right, and he would be a top 10 free agent this coming right. you know, spring. But, but not uh, a top summer. Five. Yeah. Uh, well, no, that's I, the thing. That. We, two of our big four – are free agents themselves. Yeah, no, listen, all right, so I hear you there. I spin back, though, to, you know, the Sixers have what I believe is a great starting five now. I mean, you roll out a starting five of Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. I believe the Sixers should be the favorite to get to the NBA Finals from the East. I mean, to me, this is a major step forward for their efforts three months from now to get to the NBA Finals. And given this guy's age, Harris's age at 26, to me that's the the right kind of age and complementary piece to what how Simmons and Embiid play. There's been some fit issues around here. Uh, yep, that's the end of the process right there. It was about build, 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 draft, develop, draft, develop, and now – trading away multiple first-round draft picks for a guy that might just end up being a rental for a couple of months. This is all about winning now and no more process. And, look, I get that the front office wants to now take advantage of the resources they have. They feel like they've got a window to win right now. Who knows how long Jimmy Butler is going to be there. But if this does not work out, you built this long, slow burn forever, and then now you're throwing all of your lottery tickets into this one bet it better pay off. The process yeah. was supposed to net us NBA championships, plural. Elsewhere in the NBA, off the court, the Lakers want Anthony Davis. The New Orleans Pelicans don't want to give him up for cheap. 
And so we've got the standoff. Apparently the Lakers were the only team really significantly bidding for AD right now. And they've pulled back from the negotiating table and said, you know what? We are not going to negotiate against ourselves. The Ben and Skin Show in Dallas on 105.3 The Fan. The Pelicans for one minute don't believe that the Lakers just offered their entire team for Anthony Davis and now they've decided no. Like that's posturing. And it's the exact same kind of posturing that happened when Anthony Davis's people went to the Pelicans and said, hey, the Clippers and the Bucks, he will also sign with those teams. So then the Lakers immediately jacked their offer way up. And that's when they offered something outrageous, right? Kuzma, Ball, Ingram. Ball and Ingram were both top three draft picks. Kuzma, if you redid that draft as a lottery pick, so you're talking about three high lottery picks already in the NBA, already producing, then future first round picks. And then we're going to take salary. We're going to give you salary cap relief. Why is Solomon Hill making $11 million next year? Nobody in the world knows. Not even Solomon Hill, who's giving you five a game. So they're not going to find that offer out there anywhere that's nearly as good as that, okay? And so think about what the Knicks did with Porzingis, where they're like, oh, my God, we got the player that we really like and draft picks and salary cap relief done. We don't even have to shop this. We're not going to find a better deal anywhere. So then the Pelicans are doing the opposite approach. So the Lakers had to do the only thing they can do. Fine, we simply don't want the incredible player anymore. We rescind our offer. Both teams knowing there's 40 hours left or 48 hours left until the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. They will start talks up again tomorrow. But the Lakers are like, look, there's no sense in having this conversation until you're ready to give us the player for this incredible deal because we ain't giving you any more. We don't even have more to give you, you effing morons. The initial report Monday, the Lakers were offering Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, and two first-round picks, and we're willing to take back Solomon Hill's terrible contract. Right. Right, $12.8 million so next season. Stevenson, Rondo, and Beasley are all expiring contracts. Okay. Uh, and then the Lakers amended that offer later in the day. They were prepared to trade Ball, Kuzma, Ingram, Josh Hart, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and uh, Zubak to the Pelicans and throw in a pair of first-round draft picks as well. That's a better deal because Hart's a good young player, and Zubak can play a little bit. So uh, it's being reported that the biggest problem is that the Pelicans' general manager, uh, Del Demps, is now just wants to wait to the summer to have more people involved while the Lakers find themselves bidding against themselves. Right, because the, the, the team that can't get in the mix that really changes things is the Celtics. Like, you know me, Ben. I love Brandon Ingram. I think he's going to be a player. A lot mm -hmm. of people go, I don't know, I, I've given up on him. All right, you've given up on a 21-year-old, whatever, that's fine. I haven't. But of those players we've named, none of them are Jason Tatum. I mean, Jason Tatum is pretty close. He's not a franchise changer, but he's a notch below that. Jason Tatum is significantly better than all those other players. So if the Celtics are saying, hey, you can go ahead and give the Lakers Anthony Davis, we're willing to give you superior players for Anthony Davis. You just got to wait till July. What are you going to do if you're the Pelicans? You're either going to let the Lakers just give you the most ridiculous deal of all time, or you might as well wait. Because you know what? In six months, don't you think the Lakers will do the exact same deal with you they're offering you today? Like, are they suddenly not going to want Anthony Davis? Yeah, but I, yeah, that's true. But I, the Lakers, I would think that you're right. But the Lake, I would say that these talks are toxic for their team. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. I think that that Pelicans front office, nobody trusts around the NBA. Everybody thinks that they're a bunch of bozos. And I think the Lakers want AD badly. They know LeBron wants AD badly. They know that AD wants LA badly. And the fact that the cost just kept going up and the Pelicans didn't want to get fleeced for AD means that right now they just feel as though let's step away, let cooler heads prevail, and see if we can force the Pelicans to come back to our side of the negotiating table. And I don't blame them. Again, I don't know how you can trust the Pelicans doing business properly. I think they've got the biggest apple to be dangling out there. And yet, here is the league largely kind of taking a back seat because they'll wait to the offseason. I think some of that has to do with, do we want to embroil ourselves into the nonsense that is the Pelicans right now? Boston is celebrating, and the rest of the country is weeping. A sixth parade for the Patriots. 12 championships in 18 years. And now there's 20-somethings that don't know anything except every team winning titles all of the time. Mike Felger is the dominant sports talk voice on 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston. He joined WFAN in New York and Evan Roberts on just how obnoxious all these Boston titles are right now. It's getting a little insane with how many freaking parades you guys are having. Oh, it's obnoxious. It's obnoxious. I mean, it's so good for all of us. Like, I don't want to you know, uh, punch a gift horse in the mouth, whatever the expression is, like, because it's been so great for all of us who are around it. But it is, you know, they win the Super Bowl the other day, and the thing that goes around is we've just ended our 95-day championship drought. I mean, that's how people are acting here. What do you, I remember, you know, growing up thinking it's such a baseball town. It's a baseball town. Has Brady and Belichick transferred it into a football town? 100%. And it's not like I don't want to portray it as like no one cares about the Red Sox. They care. But it's not. And, Evan, I think that exists anywhere in the country. If if your football team is any way, you know, know, halfway representative, you're a football town. It is. The only places where baseball is better or maybe, you know, more of a factor is if your football team sucks or if you don't have one. Like, St. Louis is still a baseball town. Right. Boston used to be a baseball town because the Patriots were pathetic. I mean, maybe I, in New York, I assume the Yankees are on top right now because the football teams are a joke. But as soon as your football teams get good again, if they ever get good again, uh, I think baseball will take a backseat. I think that's just the way it is what? all over the country, and it's definitely the place here. It is Patriots 1, Red Sox distant second, and I would even – I even think the Celtics are sort of gaining ground on the on the baseball here wow. in Boston. Wow. What, what, what is that? Is it because when they finally broke the curse, that kind of changed everything? Because there was something, you know, magical about, hey, they're trying to break this long curse. And now, forget the curse. They, they've blown past it because they've won a bunch of times. Do you think that's contributed to it? Yes, definitely. I think that's contributed to it because, I mean, it's just such a – I mean, that drought is such a compelling story. And, you know, what they used to say around here is that the Red Sox killed my grandfather, they killed my father, and now they're coming to get me. (laughs) And it's like, it's just, it was generational. So that was a huge lure. And once that ended, a big part of the story ended. But in my personal opinion, Evan, I I just think baseball, 
the actual product has ground to a halt. You know, the games have never been longer. There's never been fewer balls put in play. There's, you know, I mean, just all the things that we complain about with baseball, pace of play, length of games, the style of the game, all those things. I think fewer people are able to sit down and actually watch the freaking thing. And that's sort of hurt the overall popularity here and everywhere. You know, here's where I feel bad. I'm going to appreciate my championship when I get it someday a hell of a lot more than these people in Boston. You've got four-year-olds, six-year-olds, ten-year-olds. They've seen so many of them. They're probably numb Evan, to it. Twenty-year-olds, people in their twenties. Because really, if you would, like you just said, if you win a championship when you're three, it, it doesn't register. So right. we're talking kids in their mid twenties who have no idea, but no who who they think. You know, I, I've got a lot of friends with teenage kids or kids in their young twenties who tried to get to Atlanta, and they couldn't get to Atlanta, and they say this, quote-unquote, well, I'll just go next year. Assuming <laughs> the Pats are going to be there next year. Like, that, that's how they that, – that's the mentality here, and I don't blame them. I mean, that's what, what, that's what they grew up with. They, they just – they have no idea. It's gotten so absurd. But that's not really the story. The story is what's going on down there. That's pathetic. It is. What's going on in New York, Evan. Is. That, that is – that's not good for anyone. No. It's not good for anyone. And – what, what the hell are you people doing down there? <laughs> and that is coming from somebody in Boston watching all the winning. Yep, it sure is obnoxious, and it's time to end. Oh, it's obnoxious. The rest of us in America waiting and praying and crossing our fingers, the Boston success will end, specifically the Patriots' success, because nobody needs this anymore. Please let the dynasty be over. We are begging you, sports gods. Tom Brady with another ring has really put, I think, out of debate whether he is the greatest quarterback of all time. He's certainly the greatest winner of all time with six Super Bowl titles. In Green Bay, they are wondering if Aaron Rodgers will ever get back to a second Super Bowl. Bill Michaels, a 105.7 The Fan in Milwaukee. Can Aaron Rodgers ever be considered in the same breath as Tom Brady when it's all said and done? Aaron Rodgers, we know, is good. We know Aaron Rodgers has all of that. We know he has the physical ability. We know he has the mental wherewithal. We know he has the the rocket arm, the finesse touch. You know, this year it wasn't as as prevalent as it has been in years past, but it's 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 been great. Having Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. Does Aaron Rodgers, and this was one of the questions that we were kind of pondering on Radio Row, with everything that Aaron Rodgers can do and the way he does it, touchdown to interception ratio we know, uh, might be a little padded, but it is what it is. We know that he's got one of the best quarterback ratings of all time. So does Aaron Rodgers have any chance at grabbing back the title of GOAT? Greatest of all time. And one of the one of our guests on Radio Row, I brought this up, and I think it might have been Brian Billick. And Brian Billick said, for him to get to that consideration, you're probably talking about another MVP year or two. And you're also talking about him winning two Super Bowls. Two more. Maybe get the three Super Bowl rings, okay? And sure, in and in, in the period of time that he has left. Barring devastating injury, yeah, he does. If he if he plays at a level that he's played at, say, in the first six games of last year before going down with the injury, you know, because he was really playing some good football. 
He was really playing some good football. If he plays that kind of football before he went down with the injury, absolutely. But I want to see Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers. His level of play, his finesse, his precise touch, if you will, whether it was rocketing a ball into a small window or whether it was laying one and arcing one right into the hands of the receiver or the timing of a back shoulder throw, whatever it happened to be, that was always so there and spot on. And I want to see that come back. If he has that, then I believe that he could become, at least in the pantheon of greatest, he would be one of the top three to four quarterbacks to ever have played the game. But if the regression of accuracy that we saw this year, now he was very, very good. Remember, he threw the ball away a lot. And there was a lot of throws that he normally makes that are touchdowns that weren't. Uh, and, And Superman wasn't Superman this year. So, and whether that's communication or rookies or youth or just not knowing guys individually because he wasn't practicing practicing with them after the knee injury, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know whatever the reason is, but I believe that if Aaron Rodgers goes back to what he was prior to the injury in Minnesota, he will go on and lead this team to bigger and better things and greatness. If he cannot do that, he is an above-average quarterback who is still in the pantheon of greatness, but he's one of 10, not two, if that makes sense. So can he be better than Tom Brady? He can wow us. He can take the remainder of his career and maybe get to three Super Bowls, win two of them, that type of thing. If they put the right pieces in place, absolutely. The problem with Rodgers is that he's never going to be as disciplined as Brady in making all the right decisions and all the right throws and taking all the right coaching and working with all of the wide receivers and doing all those little things that Brady does because Rodgers loves the home run. Rodgers hates the 12-play drive. Rodgers wants the big play, wants to scramble out of problems, scramble out of trouble, wants to change a play on the fly. Brady doesn't want to do any of that. He wants to get the ball out within three or four seconds. So because of that, Brady puts himself in more positions to win bigger games and win more games because he's not always trying to hit the home run. And, oh, by the way, Tom Brady had a mediocre Super Bowl. Now two of them, the first and the last, and he's got two rings out of it. Rodgers can't compete with that because Rodgers doesn't have Bill Belichick as his head coach. Rodgers is more talented than Tom Brady, but Rodgers will never have close to the resume of winning That Brady does. And finally, even though football in the NFL is over, football is not over in general. The AAF, the Alliance of American Football, kicks off this weekend. And one of the teams is in San Diego, who, of course, lost the Chargers. It's the Fleet. And former San Diego State star Cam Kelly is a hometown favorite. He's now a member of the Fleet. He joined 97.3 The Fan of San Diego, Gwyn and Chris, and gave us a little insight into what the Alliance, a brand-new league, is all about right now as he's in the middle of it. Let's listen in. Tell us a little bit about, um, well, first of all, just like training camp with the fleet. What's it been like? Uh, Compare, kind of give me a little feel for what, you know, when you were an Aztec, a fleet, you've been with some NFL organizations. What, where did the fleet kind of fit into this? Um, You know, the fleet, we're for real, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a real organization. You know, they, they, they treat us like professionals, you know, everything's, professional and 
you know, the intensity in practice has been very high. You can tell guys are just excited to finally be out here. And, you know, it's, it's kind of different the way it differs from the NFL campus. You know, there's guys who have already kind of proved themselves, but everybody here still has that chip on their shoulder and they have a point to prove. Cam, Tony Gwynn Jr. here. What has it been like uh, having a second opportunity to play professional football again after college? Oh, man, it's been a blessing. I can't even really put it into words how thankful I am for, you know, Dave Bowler and Coach Martin and his staff for giving me this opportunity. You know, this is something that I've I've dreamed about doing since I was a little kid. And, you know, I don't even count preseason football uh, when I was in the NFL with the Cowboys as me being able to play pro football. So for me to be able to come out here and, you know, have this season and hopefully be able to further my dream uh, in the fall, you know, it's a blessing. Camera, what kind of expectations do you have for this season, uh, the first season of the AAF? And you guys will be in San Antonio this week, and then you'll come home and play Atlanta, and the San Diego fans will come on out and cheer you guys. What 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 are you expecting? Do you have any expectations? Or are you just going to kind of kick back and wait and see where it all takes you? Uh, I really don't have any expectations other than I just want to, for myself, I want to try and be the best the best football player in this league, you know, whether it happens or not, I know if I can give that type of effort and put that type of dedication into it, then I'll make my team better. And I would have done all I can to help my team and this league. And, you know, I feel like the way that the league is structured and the steps that they've taken up to this point, I feel like there's a lot of longevity uh, with this league. And I feel like it's going to help a lot, a lot of people because there for sure is a great amount of people that should still be playing football that aren't. Yeah, that's right. And there's Indeed. no question about that. Just need an opportunity, Cam. I'm glad you have one here with the fleet. I I absolutely know you're going to make the most of it. And uh, good luck. I hope that it, uh, things go, go your way. Have a great season and uh, start it off with a win here on Saturday. Ball out, Cam. Yes, sir. I got you. Hey, thank you, all man. God bless you. I appreciate you having me on. I love it. I'm in the Alliance. You don't have to sell me on it. AAF football is here this weekend, and I will be watching. I don't know about every game or every minute of every game, but I will tune in because spring football can work. The USFL taught us that. They just needed to stay in the spring and not go bankrupt and not eat one another. But if they don't cannibalize, the AAF has a chance do I think succeed long-term? Let's watch this weekend, a little history in the making. That's the best of your sports talk for Wednesday, February the 6th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on radio.com or the radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 